0: everybody, and welcome to episode two of Read Between the Wines. This episode, we're actually going to break down the book. So again, if you haven't read it and you want to, take a pause right here. So if you remember from last episode, our drinking game for this book was anytime they said pie or key lime pie, you had to take a drink. Now, if you didn't read the book, that's okay, but we are going to play the drinking game this week. So they actually say key lime pie or pie 18 times in this book. So throughout this episode, we're actually going to take a drink 18 times. And don't worry, I'll let you know when to. Take a drink. Okay, so for this book, we do follow the three main characters, Helen, Myrta, and Eliza. Now, the way that Chanel has laid out the book, she does... Every chapter is a different character. So, because of that, I'm going to break down the story by character first and then tell you guys at the end how they all come together. Take a drink. Truthfully, I have a love hate relationship when authors do this because. I love seeing the different perspectives. I love having multiple character journeys to follow, but sometimes, you know, they're so good at cutting you off on a chapter, right? As you're like, oh my God, what is, like, what is happening? What is going to happen? And then they switch to another character and you have to wait until you get back to the other characters, you know, chapter to figure out what happens so Um, It always keeps me on my edge of my seat, and it always, like, makes me go back in for more because, you know, they do have the separate stories. Take a drink. We are going to start with Helen's story, Um, and her story is really about her transformation. Helen's at this pivotal time in her life being pregnant and trying to figure out what she should do. She comes to the realization that her husband isn't gonna change. And so when she's at work one day, she makes the the decision that she needs to leave him. With a little help from John, she actually flees to the island of Isla Morada to stay at her aunt's inn. Take a drink. (laughs) Helen's at work when she makes this decision. So she can't risk going home and running into Tom or having him come back. So she literally has to leave with nothing but the clothes on her back and the little money that she made from her shift at the diner. On top of that, she's fleeing to her aunt's inn and she actually hasn't seen her aunt since she was a little girl and she hasn't really talked to her in recent years. Tom, her husband, being a classic abuser, has really cut her off from the outside world and made it so that the only person she has is him. So her doing this is actually a huge risk because she doesn't know how her aunt is going to react to her just showing up. But she takes the leap. And despite the pending hurricane, she actually makes it to the inn on time. When she gets there, Helen's aunt is like, hell yeah, girl, come in here. Let's do this thing. And I think that her aunt actually plays a really pivotal part um, in this section of the, the book. Her aunt Alice actually kind of challenges Helen a little bit and is like, Well, does he know? Are you going to divorce him? How are you going to keep the baby away from him? Kind of bringing it back to reality like, Girl, we have to fight, but I'm going to fight with you. And the reason I say it's pivotal is because I think it really speaks to the bigger picture about getting out of abusive relationships. It's not easy especially if you're married to somebody or you're having a baby with somebody, you have those ties to them. So I think that when Alice kind of talks about that, you know, the reader can be like, wow, you know, it's in today's society, it's difficult. Back then it had to be even more difficult. So it really brings out this emotion of understanding what Helen is going through and how hard and brave it was for her to actually make that decision. Take a drink. Now, Alice is a badass. She runs this in and, you know, they kind of mentioned that, you know, she might have had some ties to rum runners when that was happening down there. So you know that Alice knows her shit take a drink. So first thing Alice does is like, Hey Helen, I'm going to help you. We're going to get you through this, but girl, you can't stay here because she knows if Tom comes home and Helen's not there, the first place he's going to look is her aunt's in. So she actually gets with one of her friends and gets Helen set up in their like little fishing shack that's right down from the inn but she knows that Tom's not going to be able to find Helen there so it's safer for her to stay there than to stay at the inn. Despite all of this happening and Helen being put into this tiny little fishing cabin, a hurricane almost coming, her being pregnant and the weight of what she's actually done barreling down on her, once she walks into that cabin and is there She feels safe for the first time in a really long time. And I think that speaks volumes to the situation that she was in. So you can't help but just feel for her and like have an overwhelming sense of being proud and, you know, wanting to support Helen on this journey. Reality starts to set in a little bit. The next morning, she's awoken and two things have started to happen. The hurricane is barreling down on the island and she's in labor. She realizes that her water is broken, she's having contractions and there's a legit hurricane going outside so she has nowhere to go and now she realizes she is going to be giving birth in this tiny little fishing cabin in the middle of a hurricane. Take a drink. However, John is a true hero and he comes to check on her And he arrives in time to deliver her baby, and it's a baby girl, and she names her Lucy, and it's so sweet. Obviously, Helen's like, hey, John, how'd you know how to deliver a baby? Um, Didn't know that was a skill set that you had. John opens up about himself a little bit more and lets us know that he was a doctor in the war, which is why he could help deliver the baby. But he says that when he came back, his PTSD was so bad that when he was at the hospitals, he actually couldn't bring himself to practice medicine. So he ran away from his former life because he just didn't really know what to do. At this point, I just want to give John a big hug. And he literally deserves all the things. He seems like such a good guy. And he just really seems like he's there for Helen, even though he doesn't know her that much. And him opening up about his, his former life kind of brings back that belief that he could be Eliza's brother because she says she is looking for a veteran of the war, and now we know that that's exactly what John is, and he left his former life, so could that be why Eliza's looking for him? We'll have to wait and see because we are still in the middle of this hurricane. And at this point, they're in this tiny little shack and this storm becomes so violent outside that it actually tears the house up and they are legitimately floating. Take a drink. I can't imagine how terrifying that has to be, especially when you have a new baby in your arms. The devastation after the hurricane is massive and John focuses on trying to get Helen out of the situation so that she can get to the hospital with the baby and make sure that they're both okay. They eventually wave down a Coast Guard boat. Helen gets on and she is transported to the hospital. Upon arriving, she is given a clean bill of health. Her and the baby are doing great, and they are finally safe and secure in this hospital. John does come to visit Helen and lets her know that he's on the island helping out with the medical efforts, and that has kind of reignited his passion for medicine, and we love to see that, right? Like, he helped deliver her baby, and now he's helping with these medical efforts, and he's kind of getting back to himself, and yay for John. But Helen brings us back to her reality, and the reality is we still don't know what happened to her husband, Tom. Now, Tom is a local fisherman, and on the day of the hurricane, he told Helen that he was still going to go out, and that he thought that the hurricane was a joke, and people were being, you know, overdramatic, so he was still going to go out and do his job. And, like, honestly, like, this guy just sucks all around, you know, not believing weather, and he's also a dick. Take a drink! This fact, though, makes her feel really vulnerable because she doesn't know what happened to Tom. And if he realizes she's missing, you know, could he look her up in the paper and see if, you know, she's at the hospital because they were putting out lists of people that had survived and things like that. So she's literally in this, you know, headspace that he's going to walk in the door at any moment. Which is such a terrifying thought because she just gave birth. It's not like she can get up and run away. She would be stuck and she would be stuck there with him and this baby and all of her efforts to get away will be for nothing. On top of that, while she's in the hospital, Helen gets the devastating news that her aunt Alice didn't make it. It's so heartbreaking because they just reconnected. And so it hits her really hard because this was the one person that she had, this person that was her family and now she's gone. There is a little bit of a silver lining to this news though. Helen is informed that Alice left her everything. The inn, the land, her life insurance policy and her life insurance policy was a $5,000 payout and in 1935 that would be like getting $100,000 today. So a very significant amount of money to start a new life after you have left your husband and have a new baby. So this really saves her. And she kind of is now faced with this decision. Does she either sell the inn in the land, take the life insurance money and run away? Or does she stay and rebuild the inn since it was destroyed in the storm? And this is such a hard decision for her because Tom is still an unknown. She doesn't know what happened to him. She does find his name on the list of missing people, but that doesn't really give her any closure. I mean, it's for sure like a glimmer of hope, but it's nothing concrete. And how can she say if he's alive? He would totally be able to find her at the end, and that is a risk that she cannot take now that she is a new mother. So, we are now gonna leave Helen right there in the middle of this life changing decision in the hospital, doing well with her baby, Lucy, and we are gonna jump over to Mirta. Take a drink. Mirta's story mainly takes place on the island of Isla and it's about her trying to figure out her new relationship with her hubby, Anthony. So we find out that this was an arranged marriage, and she doesn't really know anything about him except that he's a criminal. They do have an easy flirtation, but Myrta has so many unanswered questions. like, what did Anthony get or give somebody for marrying her? You know, her father wasn't really in a position of power anymore. Their family business was struggling. So what was in it for him? Take a drink. She also finds wads of cash in a gun stored in his nightstand, which she's like, hold up, what the hell is going on here? I mean, she knows he's a criminal, but I don't think she knows the extent of it. And to be honest, if I found wads of cash and guns in my man's nightstand, it would definitely give me pause. Take a drink. She doesn't say anything, though, but it's definitely something that's in the back of her mind. Anthony is a total gentleman to her. He lets her know that, you know, he wants to take everything slow, and he wants her to actually fall in love with him and want him and not, like, force anything in the marriage. And, I mean, that's sweet, but it's also just a very weird situation for Myrta. Weird or not though, they're gonna get to know each other real well because the hurricane is here, it's hitting them, and they are gonna be trapped in this house. Take a drink. Being from Cuba, Mirta has experienced hurricanes before. So she knows like, this isn't gonna be good, this is gonna be really bad, we have to take shelter, we have to do a bunch of stuff. So they prepare the house and then those two stay at the house together to wait out the storm they end up taking shelter in the upstairs bathroom because the house actually begins to flood. They have limited supplies with them up there, so shit is really not looking good for them at this moment. Take a drink. Thankfully, they do make it out. The storm kind of dulls down, and Anthony is going to venture downstairs to see if he can get, you know, more food or more supplies for them. Um, And remember, the house is flooded, so he has to, like wade into the water. And obviously, like, this isn't clean water. Um, You know, Mirta says that there could be like currents in it. So it's not a very safe situation. She's basically having a full-blown panic attack. Like, I can't believe my man's is downstairs in this flooded water. Um, And then she starts to calm down because she hears footsteps coming up the stairs. Assuming it's Anthony, she runs out of the bathroom to help him with any of the supplies that he brought up. And instead, she is met by a man wielding a knife. Talk about nightmares. She slightly recognizes this man as someone she thought worked on the grounds because she had seen him earlier in the day. He is, however, there to rob them for the money, the jewelry, and her massive wedding ring. When Anthony does return, he finds this man with a knife to Myrta's throat and he tells him that he was actually sent by Frank Morgan to kill both of them. So my earlier suspicion of Frank, Eliza's fiance, being a complete a-hole have been confirmed. He sucks. Take a drink. But Anthony's like, oh hell no, you are not gonna kill me and you are not gonna kill my new wife. So they basically start fighting and Mirta being this badass is like, hey, I remember that my husband has this gun in the nightstand. Let me go get that real quick. So she gets it. She ultimately shoots the intruder and, you know, he dies. <laughs> Yay! I mean, like, no, we don't want anybody to die, but like, you know, he was trying to rob them and kill Mirta so he kind of deserves it. But this is a breaking point for Mirta. She kind of sees the full scope now of what being Anthony's wife would mean. She wants to have a family and a future with him, So how would she be able to do that when there are people after him, trying to kill them, etc.? And that's not a life that she wants for herself or any future family that she has. They do get rid of this man's body by essentially just pushing him into the water and hoping that if he is found, people will just think he is a victim of the hurricane. And they realize how likely that might be, considering when they go outside, they actually do see all of the destruction and casualties that the storm has caused. They return to the house and Myrta confronts Anthony about the situation they're in. Um, you know, how can they, you know, be married? How can this work? You know, can he get out of, you know, the life that he's living so that they can actually, you know, have a full, happy life? And while she's digging into all of that, she's like, okay, I want the truth. Why are we married? Take a drink. So he tells her, you know, he used to see her around Cuba all the time, and he felt like he couldn't approach her because he had this reputation of being a gangster, which he is a gangster, and he fell in love with her from afar. So one night, he's at a poker game, and he meets her father. He knew the position that her father was in, so he actually offered to marry Mirta because he wanted to help and he knew it would help their family and he would also get kind of what he wanted out of it. This admission gives a further explanation to the rumor that was going around Cuba that Mirta's father sold her over a card game. Now, that's not exactly true, obviously, with the way that he's telling it, but still, it just, to me, I'm just like... I get the position her father was in because obviously Cuba was in such a bad state at that time, but like, it's just, oh man, it breaks my heart for Mirta. To, like she kind of was traded over a card game. But I mean, on the other hand, Anthony really, really wanted to marry her and kind of saw his opportunity. So it's a happy ending, I guess. I don't know. Take a drink. And that was really all Mirta needed was the truth. And they end up getting it on and getting the hell off that island. And I said it last episode. Anthony reminds me of The Godfather. And if he looks anything like Al Pacino did in that movie, like, hell yeah, Mirta. Like, get it, girl. Because let me tell you, a young Al Pacino could get it. Oh, my God. He was so cute. Regardless of how fine Anthony is, once they are safe off the island... Myrta draws a line in the sand and says, we can have this marriage, but you need to get out of the mob. And if you can't do that, then you can't have me. And the obvious question is, can he really get out of that life? So that's where we're going to leave Myrta. And we're going to jump to Eliza and see what she's been up to. Take a drink. So we pick up with Eliza as she's at the sunrise in. Eliza went for a nice, relaxing stroll on the beach but in doing so, she actually bumps into Myrta, which is how they meet each other. Myrta actually tells her that she's Anthony's wife and that they're just staying down the way. And Eliza's sitting there with, like, her jaw on the floor because she knows exactly who Anthony is because her fiancé, Frank, obviously doesn't like him, given the fact that he literally tries to kill them. Um, and that leads to her, us to, like, further understand her current predicament take a drink. She tells us that her brother was a doctor in the war and it changed him a lot so that when he came home he disappeared and they actually lost all contact. This is why she has come to Key West looking for him and this also further solidifies the idea that John is her brother. Throughout the book it's kind of mentioned that Eliza has nice clothes but they seem very worn and don't fit her very well. So we get the backstory around that. She lets us know that when the Wall Street crash happened, her dad actually loses everything. And it comes to light that he had this massive crushing debt that nobody knew about. Because he lost everything, they have no way to pay for it now. And trigger warning here, um, they do talk about suicide. Her father ends up taking his own life and shortly after that, her brother takes his own life as well, leaving just her and her mom by themselves. She talks about how her mom becomes ill, which I think is like the 1930s way of saying that she has a mental breakdown. And honestly, like who can blame her? She lost her husband, her son, and everything that she owned. But Eliza's trying to get her mom help and get her into doctors that can help her, but it's expensive and they have no money and they owe all of this money because it didn't go away when her father passed. And this is where Frank Morgan slides in. He says to Eliza, Marry me, and I'll give you financial support. Fucking romantic. My God. Take a drink. But she agrees because she doesn't have any options at this point. So she's hoping that if she can find her brother, he could maybe help her find a way out of the situation that she's in. Sam accompanies her on the journey to find her brother, and he ends up taking her to the camps. And we get this horrid description of what they encounter. Small tents overpopulation, substance abuse, it's dirty, disease-written, and there's an abhorrent smell just permeating throughout the camp. She doesn't end up finding her brother at the one that they visit, but it does dawn on her how much he actually must be hurting to stay somewhere like this, and it gives her a new purpose to find him, to let him know, hey, you're still loved, I still love you, I still want you to be my family, and hopefully, they can kind of come together. You know, but at the end of the day, Eliza's gonna Eliza, and she continues to get closer with Sam, flirt a little bit, and they actually end up almost sharing a kiss. This is interrupted when they see a plane flying overhead with a hurricane warning sign, and they realize that the weather is starting to take a rapid turn. And they come to the decision that it's definitely not safe on the island and they need to evacuate because they know that there's no way that this inn is going to survive the hurricane. And I mean, they're right because it does get destroyed. They choose to evacuate via train because they know that it's there and it is supposed to be evacuating citizens and all of the vets that are at the camps and it's going to take them to a place of safety. So they they think in their mind, this is going to be their best way out. So they make the plan and then in a giant twist while Eliza is packing all their shit up to get out of there. Papers fall out of Sam's bag and she realizes that he is following her. The person he was looking for is her. Like what? I'm it's very confusing to be honest and I did not see that coming. Take a drink. His explanation is that he is an undercover agent for the FBI who was tasked to infiltrate um, Frank's crew. In doing so, Frank then assigned um, Sam to follow Eliza. Hoping to get on Frank's good side, that's exactly what Sam does. His ultimate goal is to build a case against Frank. But once he realizes the true nature of their engagement, he then wants to help Eliza. Like, I get it, but it's still kind of super messed up that he let it get this far without telling her. I wish he would have just been a little bit more honest with her um, about what he was really doing down there. Rightfully so, Eliza is still pissed at him. But she realizes that right now is neither the time nor the place because they need to get to the train to evacuate. And they end up getting there on time and being able to board the train. However... Y'all remember when I told you that there was an 18 to 20 foot tidal wave that came with this hurricane? Yep. Well, now we're introduced to her because here comes this massive tidal wave and it barrels into the train, completely taking the train out. Now there are actual pictures of this in real life and they are terrifying. The train is actually like on its side and you can see it's like all twisted. It's off the tracks and it's just so scary We do find out that Sam is able to save Eliza, and she survives and is taken to the hospital. When she awakens in the hospital, she has a little surprise in her room. Flowers. And who are they from? Frank. Take a drink. Now, everybody scream with me. Oh, oh, I hate this so much because he obviously found her, and I just wanted Eliza to be okay. Okay. And it's obvious that he now knows that she ran away from him. So I can't imagine he's happy about that either. And there's never a description of what Frank actually looks like. But in my mind, he's gross. And so all I want is for Frank to keep his old man, gross ass, sausage fingers away from my girl, Eliza. And again, I do not know how old Frank is, but given the fact that he is in like a war with Mirta's husband, who in my mind is a young Michael Corleone, they're probably around the same age, but I don't even care. I hate Frank more. So he's going to be gross and nasty and he's going to stay that way. So Eliza's like, all right, we got to get the fuck up out of this hospital. We we got to get out of here. So Sam gets a hotel set up for them so that they can figure out her next move. And during the process of checkout, Eliza stumbles on a massive discovery. Take a drink. As Eliza is waiting for Sam, she sees Helen and her baby, and they start chatting like, hey girl, thanks for the pie. I remember you. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy you're okay. And guess who is there with Helen to bring her home? John. And y'all, I was right. John is Eliza's brother and the man that she has been looking for this whole time. So Eliza is over the moon to finally have found him. Not only find him, but like know that he's okay after the hurricane too. Take a drink. She explains that, yes, she is engaged to Frank, but it's because her father, in a desperate attempt to save them, borrowed money from Frank. And that is where the debt came from that was massive and crushing, and he couldn't repay any of it. And the last people that you want to owe money to and not repay is gonna be the mob. After her father's death, Frank basically comes to them and says, You either pay me or I'll forgive the debt if Eliza marries me. John obviously feels terrible about all of this and he didn't know that any of it happened and he can't believe that it all has. But Eliza's like, You know what? I'm a badass. And after everything that she's gone through, she realizes John can't solve her problems, but she can. And, like, snaps for Eliza. And I'm just so happy for her because she's really been through it, given everything with her family and this new fiancé and the hurricane on top of it. She can also see that John is a different person, and he clearly loves Helen. So she encourages him to go down that path, and her and Sam leave. They check into the hotel, and Eliza, with her newfound badassery, is like, hold up, bitch. I will not tolerate those gross ass sausage fingers and marry Frank. So she comes up with a plan and she goes, hey, Sam, let's take him down. And she wants to help by actually marrying him so that she can get information to feed to the FBI. And that just sounds like a terrible, terrible idea. Take a drink. And Sam agrees, and he's like, yeah, 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 we're not going to let that happen, but we are going to take down Frank, because he does suck. And that moment, they actually realize they really like each other. So they end up having sex, sleeping in the hotel, and when they wake up in the morning, a miracle has happened. Frank Morgan was gunned down in New York City, and everybody thinks it was Anthony. So she's reading it, and she's like, hey... He's here too. I met his fiance on the beach and she's a real nice lady and now he's kind of a real nice guy if he got me out of that sticky situation. So, small world. A couple days later, we do see Helen, John, Eliza, and Sam attend a memorial service for the veterans that were lost during the hurricane. The government actually didn't end up evacuating everybody fast enough, which led to many of them dying, which is truly such a heartbreaking event. John lets Helen know that he's gonna go back to New York City And even though Eliza wants to try to do this on her own, he's going to go back and try to see if he can fix any of the mess that his father made and left for her. He's also super angry about how the vets were treated in the camps and how the evacuation took place. So he wants to go back to New York City to also see if he can do anything to help vets in the process. On top of that, he says he's gonna go and be a doctor again, and I'm very happy for him because that's not a story I feel like we see a lot where he can kind of where you can kind of overcome um, the PTSD and get back to your passion. There is an unspoken understanding between them, though, that they do have feelings for each other, and that's really sweet. But that's where we kind of leave them for now, going their separate ways. We pick up with Mirta, and she's on the train to New York and she ends up getting approached by Sam. He introduces himself as an FBI agent, letting her know that Frank Morgan was killed to kind of see what her reaction is. She obviously knows who Frank Morgan is because he sent the man to kill them, but she doesn't give anything away because I also think she's like, hell yeah he was, he got what he deserved. Take a drink. It becomes more implied that Anthony had Frank killed so he could align their territories and become more legit. And Myrta realizes that it's part of Anthony's plan to take action on her ultimatum and get out of the mob. Later on, while having dinner on the train, Mirta sees Sam again, and he's sitting alone in the dining car. She realizes that people all of a sudden start to stare at something behind her, and as she turns around, she sees Eliza. And I'm like, hell yeah, Eliza, girl, make all those heads turn! Eliza takes a seat next to Sam, and Anthony leans over to Myrta and is like, Girl, that is Frank's fiance. And Mirta's like, oh, shut up. I met her on the beach the other day and she was super, super nice. So they both connect the dots. She's with Sam and they seem very cozy. So they realize that she is not the least bit sad about Frank's end. Take a drink. Together, Mirta and Anthony married and in love and Eliza and Sam leaving together towards a future. We leave our ladies on the train to New York City to start their new lives. Eight months then go by and we learn that Helen stayed and rebuilt the inn and she is living there with her baby. John shows back up with Sam who is now his brother-in-law and they tell her that Tom was found and he was shot and he was also in the possession of a ring. They show her the ring and ask her like, hey, do you know where he got this or whose this is? And Helen instantly recognizes it as Myrta's. So the gross man that tried to rob Myrta and Anthony during that hurricane was Tom. So, like, hell yeah, he totally got what he deserved, and bye, Tom! She finally gets the closure that she deserves. He's dead, and she's free. John confesses that he's missed her, and he wants to spend her life with her. And finally, after all of this, Helen gets her happy ending. Take a drink! And that's the end, y'all! I do love how everyone kind of tied together and was in some way connected to each other. Their stories were woven together, but not entirely dependent on one another. I really enjoyed that about this book because you could really experience each story on its own. I really loved Helen's story, how we kind of see where she's at at the beginning of this book, poor, pregnant, scared, to where she ends up, where she's running this in and she's living her happy best life. I would have loved to see a little bit more of an ending with Eliza, when we do leave her, she's deciding on the train that she actually wants to be part of the FBI. Not really knowing if that happens kind of sucks, to be honest. You know, like, I, when I think of the FBI back in that time, like, I picture, like, all these dudes in, like, black suits. So if that was something that Eliza was able to accomplish, that would have been a huge feat. She was such an amazing, independent character who really took her own life into her own hands, and I would have just loved to see a little bit more of a badass ending for her, too. I hope you guys loved the book as much as I did. I really love stories about trains, and I know we only see our characters on it in the beginning and the end, but there's just something so magical to me about trains. I've actually traveled on them several times, Through Canada, France, down to New Orleans, and then also throughout New England. So I just have a giant soft spot when it comes to stories about trains. Also, not gonna lie, all my favorite sleep stories on Calm surround trains as well. Although I do not mind the one that Harry Styles narrates either. All right. So you might've guessed. Yes, I did say take a drink a couple more times than necessary, but honestly, it was so much fun that I just kept going. So you're welcome. And after all, this is a wine podcast too. That's it for this week, guys. Remember next week I will be doing the Q and a, so please make sure to send me your questions as I'll be answering some of those and some from the reader's guide in the book make sure you follow Read Between the Wines pod on Instagram. This is where you can submit your questions. And I also have some pics that are relevant to the story posted. For instance, I have a picture of the train after the tidal wave hits, a picture of young Al Pacino, and what I imagine Frank's gross sausage fingers look like. So this is really important content, you guys. It brings the whole story together. Thank you all so much again for coming and listening to me talk about books and talk about wine. I appreciate you all so much. Talk to you guys next week.